Warning, this podcast contains adult language and mature subject matter. The views and opinions expressed in this comedy podcast do not reflect those of our sponsors. You have been warned. In the year 2525, if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may fall. Welcome to Life After the Cover Save. Hey guys, Big Nasty B here, rocking the uh, studio solo. Um, well, last week, or last episode, RoboEd had to do his thing solo, and it was uh, really hard for him. And uh, he's like, Blake, I, I bet I, I'd like to see you do this for ten minutes. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So, I got... I'm going to shoot 15 minutes just so I can, uh, you know, prove that I'm better than him. And right now we're on minute one. So 14 more to go, guys. Buckle up. We're going to do this. Okay, this episode, uh, I don't know what number it is. It's 200 and something, you know, 210 maybe. Shit, I'm not really sure, but I know it's in the 200s. And uh, we got uh, Reese Richard Robbins on. And um, it was a pretty good talk. We like having Reese on. He's a smart dude. You know, he's got his fingers in a lot of little pies. Maybe boysenberry pie here. Elderberry pie there. Uh, Apple pie. Cherry pie. You see, Ed, that you're listening to this. I'm just making lists. And that's how I'm extending this time to 15 minutes. You know, it's a trick of the trade. So he's got a finger little pies. He's coming in to talk uh, uh, SoCal Open, and I'm not prepared. I don't know when it is. But uh, it, it says on the show when it is. So, um, yeah, that's going to be fun. I wish I could do it, but, you know, I, I work there weekends. But uh, it should be fun. I believe it's in Vista, California, uh, the fairgrounds. And it's going to be uh, pretty big, pretty, pretty big. Uh I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of different events, you know, Sigmar, 40K. I believe even there might be some drop zone stuff, which would be pretty great because there really isn't too many drop zone events in Southern California that I'm aware of outside of maybe a few of the hobby stores here and there. And those are just drop zone nights, you know, not not an actual event. So that's going to be killer if you're a drop zone person out there. Um and then, you know, after we talk about the SoCal Open, we also wanted to talk to him about the process of, of playtesting stuff. Because, um, you know, we've had creators on the show before. Uh, many of you uh, lifers out there are creators yourselves. And a lot of us are into uh, these these silly miniature games that we love. And, um, and creating one is a, is a dream that many of us have. So... Uh, we felt that, you know what, Reese might be able to, to speak to uh, the process of testing, you know, your creations. Uh, he's had the, the luxury of uh, testing several miniature games out there, not naming names. And uh, so, yeah, we kind of have an interesting discussion about that, some of the ins and outs, 
Um, I kind of try to try to frame it. Um, you know, this this discussion we had uh, towards people who are looking to kind of play test their own projects. Um, it should be. It should be pretty interesting, I think, even for, for those of us uh, that aren't in the biz of making uh, video game or video games, miniature games, uh, come out of our heads. Like, like when Kronos birthed his children through his, eye, through his, his, his skull, his forehead, uh, you know, maybe some of us were not creating in that way. Um, but either way. Uh, let's see here. Uh, almost five minutes in, Ed. Killing it. I'm killing it, Ed. Uh, recently, we've had a lot of fun on our, our social media Facebooks. And here's the deal about the Facebook and the Twitters, okay? We don't really use Twitter very often, but it's linked to our Facebook. So sometimes when, when we post a thing on our Facebook page, it goes to our, our Twitter but unfortunately, it doesn't shoot the picture over, too. So all we get is the caption, like, what do you guys think about this? And then that's all the post is on Twitter, you know. And so that kind of sucks. We, we, we need to kind of figure that out. Um, but Twitter has its uses as well. But Facebook recently, we've had a lot of fun on there. Uh, we've had a, a show, us your, uh, show us your workstation. How do you store your paints? Um, those have been pretty exciting posts, uh, generating a lot of interest. Not as much interest as when we had Doug Johnson on for the second time in a row. That was a huge post. Lots of arguments, um, and I'm glad that they didn't get out of hand. Um, so uh, the, I want to say this week, uh, I, you, the picture you saw there of the workstation on Facebook, that is my workstation. Um, fortunately now... It's pretty cleaned off. Uh, we we recently had uh, someone over, and we played some games and stuff. So that kind of got me moving. It kind of got me moving to get some get some models completed, or some at least get some more paint on some dudes. And that and that required me to take uh, take a lot of the stuff off the, my workstation. Um, so we did we did play some games. Uh, we got some forty k in, believe it or not, which is crazy. We played uh, some power levels. I, I want to say I think I'm a power level. I'm a power level person at this point, 100%. I'm behind the power level. I think it's it's quick. It's easy. It offers options to be played with that you wouldn't normally do. Um, there's not as much pressure in a power level game. It's about fun. You know, you're not worried about you know having a, a dieseled. Uh, finely tuned, uh, tweaked point list to uh, to to smash the buttholes in of your opponents. You know, um, power level can lend itself to that, I suppose. But that's just kind of you know who you are and who you're playing against. And if that's happening, um, you know maybe you got a problem you need to talk about with your therapist. Uh, we can all use therapy. Therapy is something that can help us you know, deal with some of the traumas and the blockages that we have. Uh, I myself don't do therapy, probably should. Um, but yes, yeah, so we had fun. We, 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 Ed set up a hundred power level game and that game took so long that I was like, Hey, let's do a 75 power level game. 
And, you know, that mission was more traditional. We used the open war cards. They seem pretty cool. I think maybe, maybe a little bit later we'll talk about the open open war cards um, at another time. You know, me and Ed sitting down. Um, and, yeah, you know, it was nice because I was, I was putting out stuff that was painted. I was playing WYSIWYG, as we all were. And that's one of the appeals to power level gaming in, in Warhammer 40,000 8th Edition. It's you would never put a plasma pistol on your sergeant, you know, or power fist anymore these days. But uh, you know, when you're playing power level, it's uh, you know this guy's got to make an attacks on the squad. Uh, what kind of weapons does he have? I don't know. Let's take a look at the model. Let's find out together. Oh man, he's got a he's got a power axe and uh, and furnace pistol. Awesome. Let's do it. Roll them dice, buddy. Pull it out and play with it. Um, yeah, so power level, I think, is something that I, I'm kind of sold into. Um, I just don't have the energy or the mental capacity to play the the way these young bucks are playing the, the competitive these days. Um, but the game itself is still fun, and, and it still should be played, you know, if you enjoy it. Um, so I, I've talked to a couple of the local guys, too, who tend to be competitive players. And I'm like, hey, guys, let's... I'll play some power level with you. And one of them was like, I have an edge because, you know, I, you know, my tournament army is going to be better than your power level army. And I'm like, don't be so sure, bud. I mean, do you have, uh, do you have power fists and plasma pistols and all your death company models in a points game? Nope. Cause that's a waste of fucking points. But when it's nine power level, shit, you, you could do whatever you want, you know? And, uh, he actually was like, uh, hey, not a bad idea. Now I can play with some broadsides because before broadsides, he was saying there's nothing you would you would you wouldn't play with them in a, in a in a matched point game. And he was saying he would like to uh, use something besides a commander. You know, it's just the commander apparently is just so much more effective um, across the board, and you'd be ridiculous to not play anything else but the commander in a in a matched point game. You know. But in this power level business, anything goes, man. All right, I just want to say we're at we're over ten minutes in. This has been a cakewalk. I literally have cake strapped to my feet. This is this is a cakewalk, Ed. Uh, and I aren't even done yet. Um, so the power level stuff's cool. Uh, me and Ed will probably talk about it a little bit more at a later time. Um, but back to social media. We are on Facebook. Is Facebook seems to be our real presence because it's something that we use. I know there's other apps out there which you can kind of streamline them all together, but it's just like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to download all that bullshit. But anyways, um, yeah, we like seeing your guys' responses on there. Some of you guys got some pretty good jokes. Um, some of you guys got some pretty bad jokes. Don't quit your day jobs. Um and then, uh, yeah, we like we like uh, seeing what you guys got. Show us what you got, uh, you know, in the context of whatever post we're doing that week. Um, for instance, on the work on the on the workstation post, we saw a dude with a fantastic lighting. It was like this this hoop, this like this strip of lights that was curved around him, you know, over the over the desktop. And I thought that was fantastic. Apparently, he even offered. Uh, 
to uh, to hook us up with something, you know, pay him to get that done. I don't know if I'm willing to do that just yet, but uh, that offer stands, and so I think it might be worth looking into. Um, and then, uh, well, I told him I'd do 15 minutes. You know, I said I could do 15 minutes, not a problem. We're at 12 now, and I'm feeling slightly, slightly lost, discompopulated about what I'm talking about. Um, so maybe Ed has a, a minor point here, you know, that I should consider. But uh, you know what? I'm just going to go through and just erase this this whole this whole segment right here where I give give Ed credit, you know, because I don't give credit where credit's due, brother. That's not my style. Um. So, anyways, yeah, we got Reese on talking SoCal Open. This should be a fun event. Uh, I'd like to see that. Uh, continue to happen i don't believe it's too late to get in there and see what it's all about uh we talked with uh you know with reese about you know testing products and uh you know for all us imagineers out there what we want to make um but yeah we uh we hope you guys enjoy this and then um on the back end i think uh, me and ed got to say goodbye together so uh we'll uh we'll see you then bye bye guys Enjoy the talk. You know what I'm going to do? Okay. We're at 13 minutes. I wonder if I should just continue talking to get this to 15 minutes. Just so I can rub it in his face like a steaming pile of shit. So this is what I'm going to do. Something that, uh, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about my tyrannies lately. And, you know, I decided I'm not going to, I mean, these new Space Marines are fucking phenomenal. But I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to buy models to replace the models I have. Which, maybe that's not exactly what's happening. But it feels that way. And what you feel is what you know. And what you know is what you do. And what you do is how it is. So that's how it is for me. That's how I feel. Um, so it's given me some time to consider some Tyranids. And then the Tyranid book should be out pretty soon, so that's exciting for me. So really what I'm kind of doing is coming up with my color scheme. Um, I'm going to be painting this army myself. I'm not going to be having uh, Ed do any of the work on these Tyranids. Um, it's special for me. And I've just been thinking about maybe some different kind of color schemes to go with, you know. And maybe come up with a with a, with a a high fleet name of my own. I'm thinking something like... High Fleet Baphomet, or High Fleet something. I don't know, some sort of demon name. Because um, Leviathan and Behemoth and all those, Kraken, I do those are things that are basically demons in the biblical sense. So, yeah, I don't. I kind of want to go with a pale body, you know, something that could just be washed easily to get an interesting, you know, interesting look. And then, you know, the, the, the plating, you know, maybe that's where I can kind of, let my airbrush and shine, you know, learn a thing or two. But um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, even for now, just going to finish up uh, finish up what I'm doing right now. And, uh, yeah, the trick worked. I told you guys I'd do it for 15 minutes. 15 minutes and a half. Solo. All right, guys. Enjoy the show. Hey, buddy. 
You ready to play some 40K? Yep. I brought an old wallet, three CD cases, and a mic stand. What's the mic stand for? You know how you make your daughter hold up the unsupported section of the kitchen table? The mic stand can fill in for her when she has to use the bathroom. Oh, that's genius. She's getting super muscular from all that lifting. Yeah, she's looking like Stallone's double from over the top. No kidding. Last week, she hugged me, and I peed blood for three days. But we don't need the mic stand. So we're going to be using the wallet and CDs to level out the two folding tables? Nope. Uh, We're going to put the flimsy plywood over the coffee table? I hate that. I broke half my army when we leaned on it last time. No. Not the floor again. Follow me. Let me show you the future. Firmaterra's Alpha Table. Firmaterra's Alpha Table is a portable tabletop gaming innovation, a game space that moves with you. The Alpha Table is a full 6 foot by 4 foot gaming table that folds up into a 48 inch by 18 inch unit with handles. It can be slipped under your bed, fit into the trunk of your car, and hidden from ashamed loved ones. The creators of the Alpha Table wanted a solution that would cost less than your terrain, move along with your army and miniatures, and remain out of sight when not in use. Head over to FirmaTerra.com to look at full specs, videos, and pictures. FirmaTerra. Make war everywhere. Hey, is your daughter home from school yet? I have to rotate my tires and I don't have a floor jack. Hey guys, Big Nasty B here. I want to talk to you about all the great stuff that you can buy at Wargamer.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's Wargamma.com. Wargamma.com? Yeah. Mr. Danny does alternative and original resin sculpts for tabletop war games. Models, terrain, markers, and objectives. Even bases. Wait, 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 wait. I understand what war is. It's a battle. I understand what gamma is. It's like gamma rays that made the Hulk the Incredible Hulk. But if you put them together, I don't get what they're talking about. Well, I'm not sure either. But if you go to wargamma.com, you can see just what I'm talking about. Hey, Robo. Hey, Robo. Hey, Robo. Hey, Robo. You think Mr. Danny likes Jimmy Jagas as much as we do? Wargamma.com. Hey, this is Big Nasty B from Life Ever the Cover Safe, and I'm at a mall talking to strangers about Table War. Table War develops some of the most innovative products for the miniature wargaming and hobby industry. And I develop pictures. That's great. They develop things like the Fat Matt. Who's Matt, and why is he so fat? Well, first off, Matt is not a person. The Fat Matt is a tabletop gaming surface, and with over 40 different designs, Table War's Fat Matt has become a community standard. I got a Surface Pro, it's like 10 inches. By the way, I mean my friend Simbon. Do you know what that is? No, but I do want to tell you about the Table War Tower case line. Oh man, towers are so huge. Well, it's not that kind of tower. It's the original modular, all-in-one display storage and transport system for all your tabletop miniatures. Wow, you're really smart. What's your relationship status? Well, it's complicated. But you know what isn't complicated? Chili dogs. This is true, but also the Macromat. Oh, geez, not that guy again. The Macromat is a -a one-of-a-kind innovative photography backdrop, perfect for collectibles, hobby miniatures, and small works of art. It's durability, portability, and functionality in one inexpensive product. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said, but do you validate parking? No, I do not, but if you want more information, Head over to TableWar.com and check them out. Table War! All right, as promised, 
RoboWed, Big Nasty B, are here with the, uh, what do you call, are you an Imagineer? Are you an Imagineer, Reese? What would you say you are? I'm hanging out with old Walt and uh, imagining my way into the, to the bright future. No, uh, I'm more of like a mercenary uh, uh, rules uh, consultant, I think, <laughs> is more accurate. And, you're, uh, and you run a store. <laughs> also, also do that, yeah. A shopkeep. He's a shopkeep, yeah. In the olden days, in the Gilded Age, yeah, we would call him a shopkeep. Yeah, I'll take it. That's right. You probably recognize the voice, most of you. It's it's Reese Robbins from uh, Frontline Gaming, and you're here, dude. I am indeed. How it's been a long time since you've been on uh, the Life of the Cover Save podcast. It's been too long. Uh, uh, It's good to be back. Yeah how does how does it make you feel? Do you feel something like tingling, like underneath your balls a little bit? It's a wiggling. It's a, it's a inviting sensation. Uh, that's 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 what life of the cover save does. So, so we have a couple discussion things we want to talk about. But first, business is business. We run your commercials, and they're great commercials, by the way. They uh, pretty damn funny. Do you guys still play the commercial we made on signals? Um, we play it on Chapter Tactics quite a bit, but uh, eventually the the listeners wanted a change of pace, so we may have to uh, uh, talk to you guys about getting an updated version. Well, we could talk about all that on the back end of the show. Let's not get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah, you know, no. it's just... our listeners don't need to find out. <laughs> you know, nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the dark. You know, the owl is the great symbol for the occult. Did you know that, Reese? I thought it was the goat. Uh, yeah. Like, well, the goat is kind of like okay, owls, goats. But what's a goat? Goats. A goat is a goat owl. <laughs> okay. Uh, is that like an owl bear? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons a great symbol of the occult is the owl because it represents the ability to see at night. Oh. To to see when no one can see. Into the dark. Intriguing. Yeah. And I don't know why I brought that up right now. No. Do you remember why I brought that up? <laughs> why you go the ways you go? Oh yeah, it was about our audience. Yeah, they don't need to. They don't. We're owls. They're in the dark. Okay, let's keep it that way. We love you, lifers. Uh, so business first. There's two big events happening that Frontline Gaming is putting on. We got the LVO and the SoCal Open. First year. First, yeah, first year SoCal Open. So, Reese, this is your chance to get in there and get dirty with these details. Yeah, so the SoCal Open uh, is coming up at the end of October, uh, and that is going to be the weekend right before uh, Halloween. It's a first-year event. Uh, It's going to be at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, October 21st, 22nd. It's already thrown up big numbers. We're well into the uh, hundreds of attendees, which is uh, amazing for a first-year event. To kind of give you an idea, the LVO was about 500 people its first year, and that blew our minds. So we're really excited about oh. the SoCal Open. Sorry, I got, got a telephone call. Continue. We're really excited. Really excited about uh, the SoCal Open and where it can go. We have a, a absolutely enormous hall. It's 55,000 square feet, which is r- ridiculous. The main hall at the LVO is 40,000 square feet, so it's almost – 
half again as big. Um, and, and it's, it's going to be, uh, very roomy the first year. Yeah. I mean, even if we bring in four or 500 people, it'll still be roomy. Um, so that'll be actually really nice. It'll be very comfortable. Uh, it's right next to the ocean. Uh, the Del Mar, uh, fairgrounds is by the famous Del Mar racetrack. Um, tons of fun stuff to do there. It's a beautiful place to come on a vacation. <laughs> so we're really excited for the event, what it can be. Uh, there's going to be, uh, Warhammer 40k, Age of Sigmar. 30k infinity war machine and hordes drop zone and drop fleet commander and we're gonna have shadow war armageddon um uh, uh, uh demos and open play yeah. uh, it's gonna be a really really fun event and um can't wait to see everybody there uh, and then of course we have the las vegas open well, real quick and, reese interrupting yes, you yeah, no, no, please um do. a lot of you guys are hearing this um possibly um late september early early october from what I'm hearing here, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to go, but, you know, it might be sold out. The reality is, like you were just saying, there's plenty of room at the SoCal Open right now. So go online and check. If you're interested in one of the events, pop in there. There's, you know, it's no, uh, it's, uh, it doesn't hurt to try and see, right? It's not like you can't add more tables. You got so much room. Yeah. And you yeah, want to get those points, too. Yeah, get those you're, ITC points. Yeah, get those ITC points. And th this will be a big-time major. It's going to generate a ton of points, and it's going to be coming towards the downward slope of the season. Uh, there's not a whole lot after uh, Halloween because uh, you get into the holiday season, November, December, where there's not a ton of tournaments. And then in January, it starts to ramp up again. So the SoCal Open is going to be one of the last chances to throw up a really big score. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's going to be – I, I anticipate we're going to have 200-something players. Uh, we're already damn near that, and um, we still have you know several months to go. But we have a lot of space. So <laughs> definitely, um, I, I, I doubt it's going to sell out just because we have so much square footage, but uh, yeah. we always appreciate it when people buy their tickets sooner than later because it makes it easier for us to plan. Yeah. We know how much rain to make. We know how many tables to get, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there is some local there's, – there's quite a few local guys – that are actually going to be playing at the age of Sigmar, uh, some some of the people out here, and they signed up for the SoCal Open Age of Sigmar even before Eighth Edition Forty K came out. So I think there's a this is, I think this might be one of the biggest Age of Sigmar tournaments in Southern California, in the country probably. Yeah. Oh, ooh, Jesus. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a very big Age of Sigmar event as well. Um, we have seen some people like bleed back to, to 8th edition 40K because it's, it's been so popular and away from 30K as well. Um, but both of those uh, games are still going to have really good turnouts, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So you said January is the beginning of the new of the uh, of the ITC year, but also yeah, in January I is the ending. The, the LVO is the alpha and the omega of the ITC season. Uh, the 40K championships ends it, and it's huge points, big swings, really exciting to see people jump up and down in the rankings. And then the Sunday RTT kicks off the next season. So if you come to the LVO, you can finish your season and begin your season as well. Um, a lot of duality there, which I think Blake will appreciate. <laughs> yeah, man, that's reality for you. Because basically, on Sunday, they you like you did last year. You basically everybody signs up and they get put in a bunch of pods. For uh, yes, yeah, 
and we had some logistical problems um, this year at the event. Uh, we tried to go high tech using the the app, and there, because of how many people get you know have a hangover and they don't show up, or they decide that at the last minute they do want to play, it created some logistical errors. So this year we've really focused on. Uh, making it run smooth so that everybody has a really uh, the best experience that they can. Mm. And we're going old school. We're going to do it Kumite style. We're going to have an actual physical board where you write your name on it and there's brackets put on it. So if you win your game, you write your name on the next bracket, so on and so forth until uh, only one person is left standing. And then you'll actually get to take that home with you. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, it'd be really cool. So you can keep it and go like, yeah, this is the tournament I won. These are all the people who I, I battled my way through on the way to victory. It, it should be really fun. So you get to keep that along with the bandana that you took from the foe that you smashed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From the Harley Davidson guy that yeah. was about to beat. <laughs> yeah. He was about to defeat Chun Li and he took his eye off the prize. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, here's the thing. Are we going to be able to, when we, when we move our name forward, we can cross the, our, our opponent's name off the list, you know, from the bracket. And are we allowed to do like, like a, a bowel loosening scream when we cross their name off. Well, yes. Uh, whose bowels will be loosened? We'll leave that up to the imagination. That's I the guess beauty. You, That's the beauty you, of that statement. That that ambiguously worded sentence. We're like, who's shitting their pants here? Is it the person yelling or the person being yelled at? You know what? There's a distinct Vegas. possibility. Yeah, it's Vegas, baby. Uh, it's a distinct possibility. It's both. Yeah. And, and you can always that's put a, money on it. You can always put money on it. Yeah, that's a successful uh, bellow when you both shit yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's something to strive for. I mean, here at Life Ever the Cover Save, yeah, we talk a lot about shitting our own pants. And if you can shit your pants too with us, it's as good as it it's gets. Com- it's communal. It's a communal <laughs> thing, bringing us together. Uh, so yeah, LVO, SoCal Open, two big events. We're we're going to be at the LVO again. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't missed a year. We've seen it grow. We've seen it get massive, and uh, every year it gets better and better. And uh, last year, last year we were able to uh, participate and help you guys with some of the video stuff. Uh, that was very enjoyable, and it was quite a bit of work. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know, Ed. I don't know if we can do it again. Yeah, I mean, Blake, you guys were a massive help, especially Blake. You were, you hung in there through the 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 time that separates the men from the boys at, yeah. at the week when it's when it's Monday day and you're still working, you haven't slept from Sunday night. This year we're not. Um, that won't happen again because we we get the hall broken down by about midnight, and the the crappy part is getting everything from the hotel into storage because we only had one truck and you had to yeah. go back and forth. And that ended up taking like eight hours, right? So this year what we're going to do is we're going to get everything uh, packed up, palletized. This is more than the listeners want to know. They might find it interesting. but There's some um, real nerds out there. Don't worry. I want to know. Ed wants to know. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to go out, move all of our stuff out of storage into a warehouse, and then we're going to have a service that takes it from the dock to the warehouse, and uh, we'll be done, and we'll be able to go crack some beers or, you know, whatever, whatever adult beverage you prefer and celebrate a good event instead of laboring for another eight hours when you want to just die. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. So here's the question. It's too, it's too, a, it's too much. Um, God damn it. 
I'm so exhausted. I had a bit. I, oh, do you remember on that Monday morning when we were putting the tables away? You remember we were playing that word game about movie titles? It was amazing. The you, Boston Dangler. It was the Dangler. Uh, yeah, yes. it was. We, we took the. <laughs> that that kept us going. That like it was the only thing that kept us from just like laying down and dying. <laughs> yeah. So for whatever reason, the word dangle came up. And we're like, we started to play a game where it was like Tell of Two Dangles. Oh. The Last of the Danglers. Right. The Boston Dangler. Yeah. Uh, uh, clear and Present Dangler. <laughs> Dangler. There, was a couple, there was a couple of classic ones. It was like uh, uh, A Few Good Danglers. Uh, <laughs> there were some good ones. And it, we, we did it for like an hour and a half. And yeah. it kept us... It kept our sanity. Live free or dangle hard. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> uh, that was a classic time. I couldn't remember the damn word. So I'm glad you remembered it, Reese. Oh, okay. We joke about that still. And then when you and James started riding the, oh, the pallet jack down oh, the ramp. That looked dangerous. That was rather, that was not safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, I think there was a video of you. Going <laughs> there, you know what? Uh, James Meatham's Carmona is a professional, uh, and I am trained in uh, falling safely, <laughs> so everything was fine, Reese, don't worry. When you were worry. a stunt double, right? When I was a stunt double, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was a stunt double. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that was brutal. All right, so we're going to get to our discussion now. Actually, should do commercial? If you want. We should do commercials. Okay. That's no. Awesome. no. Should we do commercials? Blake, Fuck, it's your know. show, dude. It's my show? Yeah. No commercials. No commercials. <clears throat> Straight into questions. Yeah. So one of the things we want to talk to you about, Reese, is um, you yourself. Because, okay, we have several friends and associates and people we know that uh, they are working on projects, mm-hmm. um, miniature game projects, war games projects, sometimes RPG projects. And one of the important things and yeah, even some people that do homebrew stuff yeah a lot of homebrew people or yeah. people who are interested in maybe building a game uh from their heart you know bringing it out and one of the important things part of the system is, is play testing and you yourself have play tested several games uh throughout your time as a war gamer you and i are both uh, actually all three of us are technically silver bushes yeah. Whatever that means. It means you're old. You get some gray on your ball hairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we figured, you know, maybe we can talk to you about playtesting, and uh, this might have some pretty good information for people. Now, of course, a lot of this is kind of your opinion on the subjects and stuff like that. So would you be interested in jumping into this? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually been lucky enough to have the opportunity to uh, uh, give feedback on a lot of different games. Um uh, Frankie and I get asked to give feedback on games like pretty pretty often, and unfortunately now uh, we have to say no a lot uh, because we've gotten so so busy. And if you want to do it right, it's a uh, it's a very laborious and time intensive project. Um, but I, I would be more than happy to share uh, some general playtesting theories and and, and such okay. um, for pe- for people out there. If if it would interest them, I'm happy to do that. All right, perfect. Now, one of the first questions here is talking about if you're setting up a play test, um, and I know it's, this has been done before, but uh, you talk about multiple phases to the play test, like an alpha, beta, an open beta, stuff like that. 
Um, so do you agree that that's something that should be done? And if, yeah, go ahead. In my opinion, yeah, um, you, you totally should. Uh, and there's, there, if anybody wants to learn a lot about this, like a formalized process, you can go Google search it. And, and the video game industry has it down uh, to a science. For tabletop gaming, it's not as easy. Um, the games take longer to play. It's harder to find people to play them because you have to be in person, whereas a video game beta tester, alpha tester um, can do it kind of on their own whenever. So doing it for tabletop gaming is a lot more challenging. And um, uh, it's more difficult, too, because a lot of times you don't have anything when you start, you know, besides an idea and a description, maybe. And, and you're proxying everything. So you need people that are pretty um, patient and dedicated to do it correctly. But I, I 100 percent. Um, think that if you want to make the best game possible that you you should uh, you should do it and you should go through you know alpha beta and then uh, follow it up after release with faqs erratas um, to, to make sure that you patch or fix the things that you inevitably uh, will yeah. miss so like what what would some of these phases look like or would you recommend focusing on particular aspects of the game during uh, a particular phase, um, you know. So, like, what would an alpha look like? I think and you might have them, alluded to it. Do you give them like pieces of the whole rule set yeah. or whatnot? You yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, alpha is going to be the hardest part to play test because you have the least material to work with. Um, uh, typically speaking, it's like uh, depending on how much time you have or how, uh, if you're a professional or not, uh, at alpha, it's going to be like just really rough ideas, notes, um, kind of like general broad concepts, like in the context of a miniatures game, um, you're like, this is the faction. Their general concept is like speed and they, they hit hard, but they're very fragile, uh, like a dark Eldar or, or something like that. And then you're like, okay, here's my idea for their kind of core units. And, um, uh, this unit's general strokes are that it's, you know, super fast and it's got a long range weapon or, or whatever. Yeah, if it's yeah. an RPG, uh, your, your broad strokes are like, this is a tank and I want this character to be able to do something cool, not just be, you know, sit there and get punched and, and it's a tank. And then here's my first ideas on its stats and um, kind of the description of, of what this is going to be. It's role in the party. And then you throw that out there to your alpha testers um, and, and let them start to just kind of tear it apart. Yeah. And then and you refine it. And then you go to version two with the beta um, where you've got some feedback and you're, you're kind of seeing how it interacts with the other elements of the game. Um, and, and then you, you refine it further. You put more effort into it, a more fully fleshed out description, more fully fleshed out statistics and ideas and all that stuff. Um, it, it's a multi-step process yeah definitely um so you, you talked about sending sending information or packages or rules beta rules out to, to to testers i mean in your opinion like how many testers is good here um you know like huge numbers minimal numbers you know what are your opinions it depends, you know, like for, for one, it depends on the quality of the people that you're working with. Um, being a play tester is something that it, it's a big ask. Like you, you're asking a lot of somebody to do it. Um, if they're going to do it correctly, it's going to have to be uh, a big time commitment. And um, it takes a lot of work on their part. So you don't want somebody to do it 
half-assed or it's you know garbage in garbage out you're not going to get good feedback yeah and you want somebody that's got like some sort of buy-in to the project um somebody has a stake in it or someone who like loves you enough to just do it um and if you have high quality feedback from people that have experience doing it or that they're just you know they're very experienced gamers that you don't have to necessarily have been like a you know tried and tested play tester um, you, you could just have a very good knowledge of game theory and uh, have played a lot of games and have uh, opinions on it. Um, and if you've got people that, that are really dedicated, you can get by with a small group mm-hmm. and it's easier to get things done in a small group. As everybody knows, uh, um, the, the feedback is going to probably be more, more meaningful. Um, but if you can manage it more, in my opinion is better. There's a lot of studies out there that show, uh, you know, the wisdom of the group. Um, if you have a, a, a large sample set of people that uh, are interested in the topic, that, that are, are, are um, amateurs or, or experts on the topic, and you ask them a question and you take the average answer, it's more often than not correct, right? right? Even more so than an expert opinion. Like uh, an example is like the ITC. Um, if we ask several thousand people to give us their opinion on a rule, uh, an interpretation or, or, or a way to, to play it. It's usually the, the, the most correct answer, yeah. uh, more so even than someone who might be a quote unquote expert, uh, who values their opinion very much. Um, you're going to get what's closer to, um, uh, the most correct answer. And it's, it's subjective of course, but, uh, and that's why video games do big open betas, right? They go through the alpha stage, they get it to where it's workable and then they put it out there for a broad swath of people to, to get, you know, large amounts of feedback and then they fine tune it based on that data. Yeah. And that's, in my opinion, that's going to give you the best result is doing it that way. Um, so if you can get that much feedback, great. But uh, in the beginning, it's probably gonna be very difficult to do that. Mm. In which case your, your alpha testers or your close beta testers, you want them to be people who are, uh, First of all, not ego-driven. Um, you need people that, uh, and you need to be this way yourself, and I'm assuming I'm talking you as the game designer. Um, you need to be able to listen to people's feedback, not get married to your own ideas. Um, in the writing, in writing, they say they call it killing your babies. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you need to be able to do that, right? Like if you have playtesters and you have an idea that you love for your game and you put it out there and then they all try it and then they all go, no, it's not a good idea, you can't go, well, F you guys, I'm doing it anyway. It's like, well, then you're disrespecting them. You're disrespecting their time. Yeah. You're going to lose your play testers and you're probably wrong. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 And that's the reality. Uh, sometimes your favorite things aren't very good, yeah. but here's the deal. You can accept that feedback from them and, and then be able to say, okay, this is, this is a concept I like. How do you guys think I could make it work? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then yeah. maybe you can have your baby in some some way, shape, yeah. or form, and you can actually make it good, you know? Maybe it's not your baby anymore, but you still love it, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like on the, on the Jerry Springer show. Yeah. <laughs> not your baby. <laughs> but you're like, I've already invested some time and energy in this, and I love the kid anyway. I'm still going for it. And yeah. that's a beautiful thing, right? Like, you <laughs> know, joking aside, like, you're right. Like, like when I present an idea, like when we're working on a creative project and I feel very passionately that it's a good idea and then I present it and then the group goes, you know, they get that look on their face. They're like, nah, 
I don't see that as an attack on my idea. I don't see it as an attack on me. I see it as an opportunity to go back and refine the idea and try again. Right. Because yeah. when you when you go back and you, you smooth out the rough edges of this idea and you put some more effort into it and then you come back and then everybody goes, yeah, and it's like you see the excitement on their face. Then now you've, you've, you've done the right thing. Right. Like now, now you're on the right track at that point. So the, the constructive criticism, it's not an attack. And again, this is when you have to take a step away from your ego. It's an opportunity for growth and to improve. Yeah. Um, and that's that's difficult. And it goes both ways, too. Like when the play testers give you feedback that you don't like and then you tell them, hey, you know, I, I heard what you said. I took it into consideration, but I'm still going to go this route for whatever reason. Hopefully it's a good reason. They need to be mature enough to also go like, OK, I tried. It's your thing and not get you know up in arms. And, and that all boils down to effective communication and, and uh, showing mutual respect to one another. Yeah. Uh, and, and that creative friction um, is what usually puts the kibosh on most, most playtest groups. Um, and you, you have to be very sensitive to that. Uh, if you, and it, when you do it, when you get it right, uh, the synergy between all the people, the, the end result is way better than any individual person would have done on their own. Definitely. Collaboration, man. It's the way it, forward. It, 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 you get such such better results when you when you collaborate in a spirit of mutual respect than you'll get on your own. Like the idea of like the lone game designer that creates a, a masterpiece, it's possible, but I mean, none of us here are that person. You know, like you, your odds of success improve dramatically if you take the collaborative approach. In my opinion, it's like Vanilla Ice said. Stop. <laughs> Collaborate and listen. Big Nasty's B. Big Nasty's? Yeah. Big Nasty B has another question. Remember he said yeah. that in that song? Rolling. Uh, <laughs> my 5.0. <laughs> <laughs> my rag top down. My hair All right. So, what factors could lengthen? I said lengthen or extend. That was a. I didn't, didn't edit my, my email there. Yeah. Uh, what factors would could uh, lengthen or shorten uh, a testing time, do you think? I, I guess it depends on the how rough an idea is and how much it needs to be refined. Oh, in my experience, what, like, what I've seen works pretty well is like the initial idea, idea comes out, you brainstorm on it, uh, okay, let's test it, you test it, it was really good or it was really bad, refine it, go back, test it again, okay, boom, it goes back, call it good, and then move on to the next one. Um, a problem that um, a lot of people have, a lot of creative people have, especially people that take it seriously. It's a problem I have when I'm in my own creative works. It's um, trying to strive for perfection. And one of my writing teachers told me something I'll never forget. He's like, don't worry about getting it right. Worry about getting it written. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to just get the damn thing done. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say two rounds of revision is usually enough. And then finish the project and then let it sit for a little bit and then go back, review it one more time and then call it good yep, and yep. move on. Otherwise, you'll never get it done. Finish. I, how many books, how many books, Blake, do you have that are like 20, 30 pages in that well, just language? You know what? Here's, you know, here's the more appropriate uh, statement to make. I mean, you know, I remember writing up something, did a couple of revisions on it, you know, and I sent it to this to this group of people that sometimes publish articles and like they're like, 
oh man we'll get back to you it's really busy you know i know where this is going (laughs) (laughs) i'm really sorry that you hit me at a period of time when i like i just i didn't have two seconds of spare time i'm very sorry i mean Uh, you know, we can still publish that article if you want. Oh, I, I just uh, uh, I felt like the time the time frame had passed because it seemed like it was a time sensitive uh, topic. You know, a little bit. It's you know. I mean, did you actually read the article, Reese? I, I skimmed it. No, you I didn't read the article. <laughs> if you if you would have read the article, oh wait, we're talking about somebody else, not not. Uh, yeah. If you would have read the article, you would have been like, man, this dude is. <laughs> like a goddamn Hunter S. Thompson, but like of emotions, not of drugs and beer and guns. And then, you know, you, you would have been like, I have to put this out. Yeah. The way he expresses, yep. you know, the, the the things I'm talking about in there, you know. You know, it's just, I mean, I recognize also um, that it might not be exactly for your audience, but... I- I just want you to know that's not normal. Um, any material that I had another person that was waiting weeks for me to review their submission article. And uh, I, at that point in time, I just, I was, there was no time. So uh, I, I apologize and I hope you don't take it personally. Well, oh, he did. He did. <laughs> it's my art you're talking about, Reese. It's his baby. I mean, I, I could blather on for 500 words about, you know, the beauty of the bolt pistol. <laughs> and you could slap that on there. But when I talk about, like, as a person goes through changes in their life as as a human being and as a hobbyist, you know, that's heartfelt, you know? You put it out there. And... I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm grilling you now. I'm grilling you now. I'm uh, I'm being a bit of an asshole at this point, Reese. No, no, it's, it's okay. I feel bad. Um, if you want to, if you want to uh, give it another pass and Send make it, it relevant. Yeah, <laughs> the Frankie. We're, we're going to shoot it on over to Carl, the independent character. Uh, I'm having fun, buddy. Uh, if you want to, like, no j- jokes aside, if you want to, to maybe give it another pass and make it pertinent for the current time, uh, I'd be happy to take a look at that tonight because I do. I feel really bad. I just, I was overwhelmed for there was a couple months where it was like I, I was really struggling to keep up. It were I. It's fine. I understand, and I'm glad I made you feel feel guilty. Because <laughs> uh, you know, as a writer, when you when you feel good about something. And and it, it, we're play, it, we're talking about it earlier. Yeah, there's a concept that you're dealing with in this game that you're creating. You know, there's something you have a bit of passion in it, and then sometimes, you know, it, it just this hurts a little bit. But that's all ego shit, Reese. You know what I'm saying? I I get it. I yeah. I know the feels that you're feeling right now. So don't I. I apologize, but I, we'd be happy to take another pass <laughs> at it if you're uh, open minded. Oh, what a sweetheart. You know what, Blake. Uh, before you got on this personal crusade <laughs> yeah, of yours. Um, Let me get off my soapbox. He was saying you got to get it done, right? Yes, you got to get it done. Finish not perfect. Exactly. Is, Finish is, not perfect. Is the phrase that I saw videos about artists getting their work done. Finish not perfect. If you, if you never finish it, you're not going to grow. That's right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, and, and, and here's a question that can come up. Um, and it kind of relates to finish not perfect in a certain way. It's like when something isn't right, 
when we're, we're now we're talking about like testing games and, yeah. and when something isn't right, do you know right away? Or sometimes does it take time to kind of figure out, oh, that ain't right? Or is it like maybe sometimes immediate, like, oh, that's totally not working? Yeah, I just read this and it's not going to work. Yeah. So is there just a spectrum of, of, this, of these kind of reactions that happen in the process, you think? Oh, yeah, 100%. So, uh, and this is with the wisdom of the group again. Um, we all have our own personal biases and we all approach uh, a, a rule conundrum or a design choice with our own uh, pers- unique perspective. So if you have a group of people that are all um, well-versed and, um, again, you're showing one another mutual respect, and um, let's just say there's 10 of you uh, or five is probably more realistic for, for uh, someone who just has a vision of creating their own game. If you can get five dedicated playtesters, you're killing it. Um, and one of the five turns up their nose at something and goes, oh, that's terrible. Um, then, then you can trust that that's probably just their personal bias, like something triggered for them. Yeah. But if four of the five all have the same reaction, then, then it probably is bad. Um, and then on the flip side of that, uh, if everyone says something is good, don't just uh, stamp it and move on. Because mm-hmm. I, I cannot tell you how many times something has looked good or bad, and then you put it on the table. Or, or, or if it's an RPG, you, you put it into a group and someone else approaches it and does something completely different with it immediately yeah. than you ever envisioned. And it, it, it's, it's much better or much worse than you expected. Um, it, it, it's, you have to do both. So like if instantly everybody goes, oh, no, this is really bad, uh, you might want to make a big change or a, a change before putting it on the table. But um, don't commit to any change until you try it. Yeah. Um, and now caveat on that, if it's something that's like a typo or an obvious, uh, error of omission or, uh, just something that's just like bananas way too good or, or too bad. And that's like super evident. Um, you can skip the first play te- play test stage and, and, and fix it. Um, if something's just like completely way out of whack, like it's yeah. in, a, in a miniatures game, it's twice as many points as it as something that's equivalent in another, part of the, the game that you've already tested and it worked out and this one's like twice as many points or half uh yeah you just fix that right away and then go test it and, and look for fine tuning okay. um so now we're kind of like there's a couple more questions left and you you kind of you kind of brought in the idea of the factions pretty early and if you're looking at uh uh miniature games in particular factions seem to be kind of the bread and butter um so like out the gate like what do you think a new product, a new line, a new game, what do you think is like a perfect number of factions to be at release? For a miniatures game, uh, that's more of like a, a business question than a game oh. design question. For, from game design, I would say as many as you can afford. Okay. Um, because make, like, especially if we're talking about like like miniatures games uh, with, with, with um, I don't know, plastic miniature any any kind of miniature really the development cost of making um uh, of getting the original sculpts making uh, the molds casting it boxing it up distributing it warehousing it blah 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 that is going to dictate how many factions you can make because your budget is going to tell you what you can start with most games start with three um in my experience most new miniatures games come out with three factions it's kind of like the starcraft uh, model, I guess. Um, it gives you diversity. Two is not enough, in my opinion. Um, uh, five or more is probably fiscally out of reach, unless you have a very, like, a tiny skirmish game that only requires a, a very small number of miniatures, like ten or less. 
if you're going for like a unit or a squad based game, um, and it's, it's, it's like a company level game, like 40 K, um, uh, the, the 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 money investment to make all the factions fully fleshed out upon release on release is probably fiscally out of reach of um, uh, all but the wealthiest of people. Okay. Well, I, you know, I'm glad I asked that question because I didn't even think that answer. I didn't even think that. Oh, there's actually a, a business sense to this when it comes to deciding. <laughs> um, that's why. That's why we got a professional here, folks. Yeah. Um, and you know, final one, yeah, you, the shopkeep, if you will, yeah, the shopkeep. <laughs> at a certain point, um, at a certain point, the core mechanics of a game are solid. So, does that mean, and if we're playing with factions, does that mean eventually that the testing process it simply evolves into a series of of just particular matchups? in order to see how these factions function against each other? Yeah, I mean, th- that's the problem, right? Like, uh, in a game like this, that's the opposite of chess, right? Where in chess, the two uh, armies are identical. Um, that puts all the emphasis on the player skill. Um, yeah, okay. And, but, but, like, none of us, like, I enjoy chess, but I'm not fanatically excited about chess, right? In a, in a miniatures game specifically, um, you make the armies as intentionally different from one another as, as you can, and that creates inevitable inequities, right? Especially when you have, like, um, in a game where you've got lots of variables, yeah. uh, unit size, upgrades on the units, uh, special rules that can be triggered by taking certain groups of models, like in War Machine, you have your um, tier uh, for your themes, where you get different, your units change because of different combos of units that you've taken. Uh, and then when you, when you take that, like already effectively infinite number of variables, and then you, you apply that to the amount of variables on the other side of the table in regards to like what they chose for their force. And then you have the near infinite number of variables in, in terrain, um, who goes first or second, you, you, you create, um, each game is a unique experience, right? So, uh, it's impossible to perfectly balance a system that has been made that diverse. So you do the best you can and you live with the fact that there's going to be some inequities. And what you end up doing is you end up playing whack-a-mole and fixing the most uh, extreme inequities, which shifts the balance uh, to another direction, creating in a new environment where different things that were bad are now good. Yeah. So, you're never going to get it right. And you just have to accept that. What you do is you strive to come as close as possible um, and, and pay attention to the way people are playing the game um, and, and try and make adjustments to things that really do need it. Uh, and th- that takes a deft touch and everyone's going to disagree on where that exact point is. But that that's the ultimate goal once the, the product's out there in the wild. Yeah. It's like my friend Ed says here, finished, not Perfect. Oh, God, he fucking nailed it. <laughs> All right, you know what? We're going to do a break. Oh. I feel like when I said we sh- we needed to do a break, I think done. we should have done a break. Yeah. But, you know, that's why I was going to you. I was looking to you, Ed, I, I, to guide me. I had no, I can't even think of it, money on the table. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Dog no, in the fight. Dog fight. I no yeah, idea. I was looking to you to be my owl because I'm in darkness. <sighs> All right, so we're going to run We're gonna run some commercials and we're going to be back for some, some rapid fire questions. Yeah. Not about pooping. 
Yes. As soon as you press press the stop. And including pooping. <laughs> Yo, get off the computer. I need to check eBay. I got an auction ending soon. Wait, what are you doing on the computer? I'm just buying some minis online. Are you, are you saving money? Nah, dude, saving clicks. Time is money, right? Hey, what the heck was that for? Dude, you gotta buy from Frontline Gaming. They offer savings on minis every single day and up to 25% off Games Workshop stuff. Whoa, that's better than saving clicks. With all that savings, I can take a few days off of work so I can paint these minis. Ow! You gotta stop that, it hurts. You know what hurts? Spending three weeks base coning models. Save yourself some pain and get them painted by Frontline Gaming's painting studio. You know what, you've got all the answers. That's why I'm glad you're my best friend. I don't know what I'd do without you. I could never hurt you. What are you looking up on eBay? I'm uh, selling a bunch of old models. Don't really use them anymore. Why aren't you going through Frontline Gaming's secondhand store? You can get money or store credit. I think you broke my nose. I don't like your tone, mister. So I'm just going to say this. Head over to FrontlineGaming.org for more details. Mechanical Warhorse. Mechanical Warhorse specializes in affordable, quality gaming aids, like markers, tokens, templates, and game effects. It doesn't matter what game system or skill you're playing, their products will take your game experience to the next level. Let's face it, makeshift gaming aids just don't cut it anymore. Mechanical Warhorse. Check out MechanicalWarhorse.com. Not only is the owner Carlos a great man, but he's a great lover. Once again, MechanicalWarhorse.com. Mechanical Warhorse. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence, let's get nuts! Okay, lift it up! This is serious business! Well, I've wrestled with reality for 35 years, Doctor, and I'm happy to state I finally won out over it. Hey, don't worry, I can handle it. I took something. I can see things no one else can see. Why are you dressed like that? So anyways, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. All right, so Reese, we're back in now. Um, what was your favorite commercial we just played? You know what, Blake? When they're all that good, it's impossible to choose. You yeah. know what? When they're all that good, we should get paid for them. <laughs> yes, that's that's part of that's part of the, the new deal. Uh, so what we're doing now is um, you talked a lot about game design and things like that, in addition to play testing. Uh, so we're going to play a little experiment here and say, you know, let's say Reese was decided he wanted to make a game uh, and uh, ask some, some questions here. Yeah. And I think, uh, and this is going to be pretty short, Yeah. but Ed had probably the best question. Do you remember the question? The randomizer? Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. What would be like in playing games? What kind of randomizer do you like? Do you like dice? Is it like a D6? Is it a D20? Is it a D100? Is it cards? Is there a little spinner you want to spin? <laughs> is it, you know, 
Um, oh, what what is the the random number generator mechanic? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? The, the popomatic bubble. Yeah, you know? that's a good uh, ooh, ooh. I don't know. It's hard because like in 40k now, uh, it just uses an example. Like I like dice the most, but when you're rolling like like we have 30 boys, let's just say with five attacks each, we're rolling ones or something. That is a pain in the ass to roll that many dice, re-rolls, pick them up, re-roll wounds, blah, blah, blah. In that instance, I would actually be like inclined to say like, let's just use a ran- random number generator and just have like a, a web app that uh, everyone trusts and you just, you know, press a button. But at that point, you have to probably input all the variables. It might not even work. But mm. uh, I like rolling dice. I don't like D6s. Uh, I don't think there's enough range of variability in a D6. Uh, a D20 is, I think, too much. It's, yeah. great for a role, it's great for a role-playing game. I think that the D10 is perfect. Mm. And the reason why is it gives you almost double the range of possible results as a D6. Right? It gives you a uh, thirty-three uh, percent more, so not almost double, but it gives you quite a bit more. Actually, more uh, than thirty-three, right? Because thirty-three would be nine. For it gives you forty. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's like what seventy-six percent more. Well, I uh, just look at a D10. It's basically ten percent chunks. Okay, but that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, you're right. Because <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> oh, so c- continue. I did, I did the math backwards. It's a sixty-six percent uh, or uh, increase. Sixty-six percent increase. Uh, at any rate, like. It gives you a, a wider range of, of potential numbers to generate, so you don't have to use things like reroll ones. You don't have to use things like reroll misses, um, which speeds things up a ton, right? Because a reroll one on a ballistic skill, uh, uh, a model that hits on like a four plus, it becomes a three point five, right? Like it, it gives you that like little bit of an increment. Whereas on a D ten, you could just say something that sucks at shooting, like an orc hits on a uh, eight plus. But if it's a orc that's slightly better at shooting because a dude next to him like cheers him on, oh, now he hits on a seven. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So you know what? It really dramatically because what one of the things that takes the longest in a, a a miniatures game is sorting and counting your dice. It takes a really long time, especially when you're throwing a lot of dice. So if you can cut that down, you're going to speed the game up. Uh, you can make it's the math is really easy because you're going in increments of ten or a ba- it's a base ten system, which is what we naturally do as humans. Um, so doing the math and running the statistics is a lot easier for you. Um, in my opinion, I think that the D10 is, is the perfect uh, random number generator for a miniatures game. Uh, for a role-playing game, I don't think you need to because you're only using throwing like one or two dice at a time. Yeah. But when you're throwing lots, uh, I, I think the D10 is, is where it's at. Yeah, I think I'm partial to the D10. It feels – it's like whole numbers. Yeah. And it's – yeah. And it's like, I like it because it's like, you can, and that's what I kind of liked about uh, Mantic's Dead Zone. Yeah. They have uh, a D8. Yeah, they use a D8. So, like, you could feel when this particular character is kind of shitty. Yeah. And then you could feel it when this particular character was exceptional. Right. You know, it's kind of hard to do that on, a, on you, a D6. Because the, 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 the number, gradations. yeah, is higher. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, a lot of fantasy flight games use D8s as well. Um, it's that's that's a massive increase in variability too. And like I said, like we were just talking about, it means that you don't have to do all this funky stuff, like reroll ones or you yeah. know like reroll twos or, or whatever the case may be, because that's creating the um, the greater range of potential results by uh, enabling you to reroll a die. Yeah, uh, that's altering the statistics a little bit. Yeah, with, with with and it's also taking up more time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We and got that, and rid that's of rerolls. It'd be fast. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it, it would be way faster. And then at the end of the day, you'd have the same uh, range of, of variability. You'd have the same results uh, zoomed out, of course, like in an individual game, you, you can have hot dice or cold dice, but taking over like a thousand games, you would have the same exact range of probability. Uh, but but do it just in a quicker way. Well, then why why do you think so many mainstays uh, uh, are games, old school games, newer games? Actually, actually, a lot of newer games are actually going away from the D six. I I can actually you know, I think most of the new games that are out there are away from the D six. But why why would a big company, a big company, not naming names, do you think they would ever move out of the D six, or, or what's keeping them in the D six? You think it's a tough call, right? Like D6s are easier to get and they're cheaper. Um, True. Yeah. I think that's why in the old days everyone used D6s because it was like, how the hell are you going to get uh, a bunch of D10s? You, you know, got to make years one. Ago. You got to carve yeah, it right? out of wood, carve. burn well, it, it, etch it. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is why is the one metal and the, in the, yeah. <laughs> the, the well, six is not? It, it was kind of like it was basically it was White Wolf games that brought the D10s, the werewolf, the vampire. I mean, you, have can, a, you can get it. Go ahead. Uh, didn't they have a, it was between 1 and 100, the scale? Yes. So maybe I, it was the percentile that made the D10 work, but that allowed you to actually find retail sleeves of D10, which wasn't yeah, normal. I mean, RPGs definitely made the different dice um, popular. Before, you know, D&D and stuff, you didn't. When the hell did you? What would you ever use a D four, a D eight, a D twelve for? Um, but RPGs did it, and now it's they're prevalent enough that I think it'd be pretty easy to run a game system. I mean, like Infinity uses D twenties, for example. So you you yourself now, if you're making this this new product, you think you'd go D ten? Oh, for me, it's no question. Like I, I'm a nerd, and I do all like I, I like run the numbers. And I've got like spreadsheets, like looking at probability and all this probability curves and all that stuff. And um, uh, I really like the D10 because uh, if you use like 2D6, like what War Machine does to get, uh, uh, it gives you like uh, uh, more variability, it gives you more like increments uh, of, of results, but you end up with a bell curve, right? And so it's like, in some ways that's good, in some ways that's bad. You get more yeah. predictable results. So, um, with the D10, it's 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 still you have just as much chances rolling a one as a ten, right? So, mm. uh, it, I like that more because when you use a two D six system, it still really limits the amount of numbers that you can realistically use. Yep. Like if you made something only happen on box cards, it's a three percent chance. Yep. Uh. That's not you you, you know what I mean? Like some of those numbers aren't really realistic, right? Like you're you're not going to use those as target numbers, right? You want to be six, seven, eight. Because that's half of all results out of the the uh, uh, thirty six possible combinations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, one of the last things here, uh, as you, there's a lot of different games out right now, and a lot of them have different gimmicks. For instance, um, unit cards, like you know, your unit, its stat, everything you need to play it is on this card. Alamalfo, I do believe all the Simon stuff has that. Uh, I consider that kind of a gimmick. Um, X-Wings, um, like cardboard movement guides, um, is kind of a gimmick. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Have you seen the movement guides, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, totally. 
Uh, also, like the the gimmick of uh, the X Wing has it. I think other games have it too, where you're kind of setting a you're setting a variable in secret. Oh, and then you're revealing it at the same time. Like I think the new Legend of the Five Rings has that little little game right there, um, and it actually pays dividends to you if you play the game properly in a particular time. So is there a particular gimmick that you, you think a, a, a new game you're hypothetically making would want to go with, Reese? Um, yeah, I, I think you need some of that, right, to make it interesting. Um, uh, I like that stuff, personally. Like in Malifaux, you have the combination of a deck of cards, which really changes the probability scale because there's a finite number of numbers you can generate, so to speak, because there's a finite number of cards. So you can start to do like the... Um, blackjack card counting in your head yeah. when you're like oh i know that my odds of getting the the card i want are increasing as i don't draw it right because yeah. I, I have to go through my deck but they also have the, <clears throat> the soul stone mechanic um in a war machine and horde you got fury and focus which you can influence the results uh, you can influence the outcome 40k has introduced it with um yeah. uh stratagems where you can like re-roll a die and I really like that a lot, right? Because when you set something up, and, and uh, Ed, you asked earlier how much variability or what kind of variability do you like? If you play well and you set something up and it should go your way, you want to be, you want to get, you want to re- reward that player. Yeah. Because um, I don't, who the hell is going to play shoots and ladder in a competitive environment? I'm sure people do, but it's it's pure chance, right? So you don't want it to be all chance, and you have to decide where on the spectrum between shoots and ladders and chess that were chess where there's almost no variability at all where you want to fall. The more you go towards chess, the more it's about skill. The more you go towards shoots and ladder, the more it's about just luck. luck. Yeah. And it, if you introduce elements in there, like you said, like gimmicks to influence that, then you're rewarding people for playing your game again and again and again um, to, to get better at playing the game, not just doing it as a diversion. So uh, I think you want something like that in there um, to, to reward mastery of the game. Uh, that, that's my personal opinion. I think some people love a game of, of pure chance, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I do not. I, I don't want to play a game more than once or twice in which the outcome is just randomly determined. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, final thing. October, what's up? No, never mind. Yeah, I was, I'm finally wrapping it up. Yeah. October 21st in uh, beautiful Del northern Mar. San... Yeah, Del Mar. Del Mar. Northern San Diego County? It's Del I guess Mar. So. It's Del Mar. Uh, the SoCal Open, October 21st. Uh, is going to be... A, this is a pretty big event. Guys, check it out. All the big names in terms of uh, uh, games being played are there. In addition, there's some there's some drop zone stuff. And uh, that's a rarity out here in Southern California to get access to a big drop zone tournament. Um, and also January 26th, the annual uh, Nerd Mecca in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Open. Uh, Reese, if you have anything else you need to say before we wrap this up, now is your chance. That's it, guys. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's always fun to come on the show and uh, and chat with you fellows. All right. Well, give Frankie a big old kiss for us. Yeah. I will. He's sitting behind me. I'm going to give him full tongue. Oh. And I think I will try to round second base 
And I'll say it's for you guys. <laughs> you dirty, dirty, dirty. Uh, do we need to say that goodbye no. now? No? Just closing it? Yeah. All right. We're closing it. <laughs> and now the time has gone away. Thank you for listening today. Blake and Ed. They want to thank you. Evil Ed, you better Listen up this day Cause Blake and Ned are talking 40k You know the motto Is life is always